This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Greetings, friends. You're listening to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. This is episode 142, entitled, Individual Human Beings Expressed with Plural Forms. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I will be your host. And thank you so much for joining us this week at the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Over the past three episodes, we have been exploring what Hebrew grammarians call the plural of majesty. This grammatical concept, briefly defined, refers to instances where the only true God is depicted with plural forms in attempts to express his excellence and greatness. These plural forms do not indicate that there are multiple gods referred to or that there are multiple persons composing the Lord God. Grammarians and biblical scholars are in agreement that these plural forms for Yahweh are instances of the plural of majesty, or the plural of excellence, as it's sometimes called. And over-eager Trinitarian apologist would do well to listen to these Hebrew specialists. In this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, we will look at what might be considered a footnote to some, But there are actually examples within the Hebrew Bible where plural forms are used to describe individual human beings. Yes, you heard that correctly. Single human individuals are, like God, described with plural forms within the Hebrew Bible on occasion. And what is interesting in all of these examples involving human beings is that it is absolutely clear that only one person is in view in the biblical text. Furthermore, we will make a note when commentators think that the act of depicting individual humans with plural forms is best understood in light of the plural of majesty, which is used to regard God as a single individual. It should go without saying that if you haven't listened to the previous episodes on the plural of majesty, or if you're just unfamiliar with that concept, it might be best to go back and listen to episodes 139, 140, and 141 before enjoying this current episode. What sort of conclusions can we draw from observing individual human beings portrayed with plural forms? What relevance does this interesting grammatical feature have on our study of the only true God being depicted with plural forms? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is the plural of majesty used of noteworthy human beings. So what we will look at in these particular passages are plural forms used to describe a single human being. 
And the specific plural form we're going to look at is actually the plural form for God. We're going to be looking at how Elohim, the plural noun for God, is used of a single human being. There are a lot of biblical Unitarians that make a lot out of the fact that human beings are sometimes called God, and that is true. What I don't think is described often enough is the fact that it is the plural form for God that is used to describe human beings. Let's look at some of these passages. Exodus chapter 4 is where we are going to start. Exodus 4 verse 16 where it says, Moreover, Aaron shall speak for you to the people, and he will be as a mouth to you, and you, Moses, will be as God to him. That's Exodus chapter 4 and verse 16. So Moses is going to function as God to Aaron. And the phrase there in Hebrew is la Elohim. So we have the preposition there, la, as. And we have Elohim, the plural noun for God. That is a plural form that is used of a single individual. No translations translate this as God's. They understand that when this is referring to one person, that we translate it in the singular. So while we have a human being here being described as God, God obviously investing his authority, power, and privileges into this human being, we also have a plural form used of one particular person, namely Moses. That is very interesting. We can see a little bit more of this later in Exodus, in chapter 7, verse 1, which says, Then Yahweh said to Moses, See, I make you God to Pharaoh. That's Exodus chapter 7, and verse 1. And we don't have the preposition anymore. There's the preposition as or like in English translations to kind of smooth out the translation. But strictly speaking, in the Hebrew, it's just Elohim. There's no preposition. God, the Lord God, has made Moses to be Elohim. This is very interesting. So, of course, we have a human being being described as God, by God himself. And God is certainly okay with this. But we have, for our study, the important point is that it is a plural form for God used to describe a single human being. And remember, Elohim is the plural of the word Eloah. Eloah is the singular, and Elohim is the plural. We can also see this in the Psalms, Psalm 45 and verse 6, which speaks of the Israelite king in the context of his wedding. And it says in Psalm 45, 6, Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. Your royal scepter is a scepter of equity. That's Psalm 45 and verse 6. So here we have the vocative, your throne, O God, in reference to the Israelite king. You can read Psalm 45 from front to back, and you can see that this is in reference to a human king that is involved in his wedding. This is originally not in reference to Jesus. It's in reference to an Israelite king. Some people think it refers to Solomon. But we have a human being here that is described as Elohim. There are some people that think that the word Elohim here 
actually is a way of describing the throne, as in, your divine throne endures forever and ever. That's not the way the Septuagint understood it. The Septuagint didn't understand Elohim as an adjective. It understood it as a noun. And so I think it's very likely here that Elohim is used to describe a human being. But the important point for our study is that we have a plural form that's being used to describe one particular person. Now, if you don't think that Psalm 45 actually is using the vocative, O oh God, for a human being, uh, that doesn't erase the fact that we have the word Elohim in its plural form used to describe Moses on multiple occasions that we just saw in Exodus, and those are non-controversial. So that's very interesting. We have human beings described with plural forms, individual human beings described with plural forms, and it makes sense. Moses functioned as a prophet, so he could be described as God, the one that is speaking and acting on behalf of God. And we have a human king called God because he rules on God's behest, and he shares in God's stewardship over the people of God. Let's move us to our second point. Point number two is plural nouns used of basic individual human beings. So we can see in our first examples from our first point that it was noteworthy human beings, but it seems that it seems any sort of human being can be described with plural forms. I'm going to start here in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 3, where the prophet says, the ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. And so in this particular passage, Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 3, we have the word for owner. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. And the word that we have there is Baal, which is a word for master or owner. And it's Baal live, which is the pronominal suffix his. His owner, his master. But the word there is in the plural. The noun is in the plural. And yet it's translated as a single owner, a single master. And of course, the contrast there is that, hey, well, if the ox knows its singular owner, and if the donkey knows its singular master, but Israel doesn't know its singular God. We know that this plural form was understood as a singular because in the Septuagint, the Greek says to Kiryu of two, of his Lord, the Lord of him. And so that there is a singular form. When we look at the commentaries to see how they understand this, it's very fascinating. Roberts, in the Hermeneia commentary on 1st Isaiah, says, quote, Because the Lord in the metaphor clearly refers to God, it could be a plural of majesty similar to the use of the plural Elohim to refer to God. And so Roberts in the Hermeneia commentary notes that the owner or the master, which is called Lord, the Baal, is in the plural, 
since we know that this ultimately is going to refer to God in the second part of the contrast, Israel does not know Yahweh, Israel doesn't know its maker, that we can see that a plural of majesty is the best way of describing it. But clearly, the owner of an ox is a human being, and the owner of a donkey is a human being. But we have the plural form used here. We can see a little bit more of this later in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 19, verse 4, where God says, I will deliver the Egyptians into the hand of a hard master. A fierce king will rule over them, says the sovereign Lord of hosts. That's Isaiah chapter 19, verse 4. So we have this reference to the hard master, into the hand of a hard master, which is Bayad Adonim, which is into the hand of this Lord, this master. But the word Adonim is in the plural. And yet it is paralleled with a fierce king, a single fierce king. So we have a hard master, which is in the plural form, but it is paralleled with a fierce king, meaning it is very likely referring to one particular person. Again, when we look at the Hermeneia commentary on 1st Isaiah, Roberts says, quote, Adonim is a plural form, perhaps a plural of majesty, but is intended to refer to a single master, as the following singular adjective shows, end quote. So he also points out that this is very likely referring to a plural of majesty for a human being, for a singular human master, and he knows it's true because there is a singular adjective that is defining and governing this particular noun. Roberts also notes that the Targum reading of Isaiah and the Isaiah scroll that we found in the Dead Sea Scrolls continues to read Adonim, the plural form. So the Hebrew scribes did not see this as something that was difficult to understand. They didn't change it. They didn't alter it. It's very clear here that a human being is described in the plural of Adon, Adonim, and yet it clearly refers to one single king, a fierce king, as the text says. Even the Anchor Bible commentary suggests that this reference is a plural of excellence. Let's move on to another passage, Genesis chapter 42, verse 30, which says, The man, the Lord of the land, spoke harshly to us and charged us with spying on the land. That's Genesis 42, verse 30. So we have here the man, the Lord of the land, which is Haish, the man. So this particular phrase that talks about the man, the Lord of the land, is very clear. It is a human being. The Hebrew says Haish, Adonai Ha Eretz. So we have the man, the Lord of the land. But this word for Lord is in the plural. But it's clearly a singular man, and it's referring to Joseph. Joseph is the man, the Lord of the land. The Nicot, the New International Commentary 
of the Old Testament on Genesis acknowledges that this is an actual plural that is used of one individual. So Joseph here is described as the Lord of the land with the plural form for Lord in the construct, Lord of the land, but is clearly one single human individual. And we see that the same three verses later in 42 verse 33, where the man, the Lord of the land, said to us, by this I will know that you are an honest man. Leave one of your brothers with me and take grain for the famine of your households and go. And again, Genesis 42 verse 33, where we have the same construction that is going on there. We have the Ha'ish Adonai Ha'eretz, the man, the Lord of the land, and that is Lord in the plural form and the construct, the Lord of the land. Again, referring to Joseph, plural form used to describe one human being. And yet every single translation understands this, and they translate it as the Lord of the land. They don't understand it as plural lords, because clearly it's referring to one particular person. And so we have this phenomenon of a plural form used to describe a single human being. Let's look in Exodus chapter 21 to see a little bit more of this. Exodus 21, verse 29, where it says, If the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past, and its owner has been warned, but has not restrained it, and it kills a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner shall also be put to death. Exodus 21, verse 29. So we have the ox that is out of control, and we have the owner that is negligent, and we have the punishment to the ox and to the owner. But the word for owner here is Baal live, which is the plural for Baal. So it is a plural form, a plural noun, that is used to describe a single owner. And the fact that the owner later in this passage is described as the person who did not restrain it using a singular verb, we know that the reference here is not to plural owners, but to a single owner. We have the single owner here described with the plural noun for Baal, and yet it's translated in the singular, just like we've seen in our previous references. The next one we'll look at is in 2 Kings chapter 19, and something that readers of the Bible have known for a while now is that there is a parallel between 2 Kings 19 and the passage in Isaiah 37. You'll note that it's the same episode, both in 2 Kings 19 and in Isaiah 37. So there's an interesting debate as to which one used the other. Did 2 Kings use Isaiah? Did Isaiah use 2 Kings? not really sure. That's not really the point of what we're looking at today, but the example we're going to look at today actually appears in both of these passages, both in 2 Kings 19 and Isaiah 37. So, in 2 Kings 19 verse 4, we have the pagan ruler that wrote a letter, and he said, perhaps Yahweh your God will hear all the words of Rapshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God and will rebuke the words which Yahweh your God has heard. And that is 
2 Kings chapter 19 and verse 4. So we have this particular person, Rab Shakeh, whom is described in this passage as the master, the king of Assyria. So we know it is one particular person. But the word for master here is the plural form for Adon. In the Hebrew, we have Melech Asher Adonaiv, which is the king of Assyria, his master. The word here for master is plural, the plural for Adon. But it gets translated as a single person. We know because it's one person. It's one particular king. It's the king of Assyria. But we have a plural form here that is used to describe a single person. And this is not even one of the persons that consists within the people of God. This would be a pagan king. And so that is in 2 Kings 19 and verse 4. And of course, the same phenomenon occurs in the parallel passage of Isaiah 37 verse 4. But as the passage goes on, we can see a little bit more of this in 2 Kings 19. So let me read the following two verses, verses 5 through 6. It says, When the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Say to your master, Thus says Yahweh, Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have reviled me. That's in Kings 19, verses 5 through 6. And so again, we have the word for your master. Isaiah said to them, Say to your master, which is Adonikim which is the plural of Adon with the pronominal suffix for your second person plural. And we know that this was understood as a singular by the original translators of the Septuagint because they translated in the singular proston kirion imon, which is a single Lord, the Lord of you all. So again there, that's in 2 Kings 19, verses 5 through 6, and the parallel also appears in the relevant passage in Isaiah 37. So, in conclusion, we have observed that in what appears to be an extension of the grammatical concept called the plural of majesty slash plural of excellence, the Hebrew Bible sometimes applies plural forms for individual human beings. There seems to be no discernible debate regarding these passages as to whether more than one human being is actually in view. And there is a broad agreement in the English translations in rendering these plural forms as single individuals. We first noted that the plural form for God, the Hebrew noun Elohim, is used of noteworthy human beings. Both Moses and probably the Israelite king are called Elohim, demonstrating that the attribution of plural forms to individuals is not limited to God in reference to the plural of majesty. Having observed some of these basic examples, we noticed that other human beings were portrayed with plural forms. While it is clear that single individuals were intended to be conveyed. These human beings consisted of a combination of ordinary persons, unknown persons to the speakers, people of God, and even a foreign king. Furthermore, 
the plural words used to describe these individuals are also varied, indicating perhaps a simple master, a human superior, or even a lord. Moreover, these passages appear in a variety of genres, such as sections of narrative, law codes, and even within prophetic oracles. The result of this study indicates that the plural of majesty, which attributes to the only true God plural forms in order to express his excellence, is not limited to God, since it clearly appears in instances involving individual human beings. Since no serious reader would interpret these human beings as actual plurals, it goes to show that the corresponding concept when used of God should also reflect an understanding that only one person is being portrayed. In other words, the fact that the Old Testament displays individuals with plural forms strengthens the grammar of the plural of majesty, which in turn strengthens the argument of the oneness and unity of God. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Join us next week as we begin to explore a new series involving the book of Revelation and how God and Christ are portrayed within this often confusing book. If you have enjoyed the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, please consider supporting us as we promote the sound truths about God's oneness and unity and the truths about Jesus' humanity. You can support the podcast for free by liking us and rating us on iTunes, giving us an honest review, sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. And if you feel led to donate to the podcast, there is a link to PayPal within the episode's description. Thanks so much to Dustin Williams for his post-production and professional editing of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. I appreciate Mr. Williams making me not look like a fool in the editing process every single week. But my name is Dustin Smith. Until next time, you folks, take care and be safe.